Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are continuing our journey through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Last time we talked about Chapter 3, The Advance Guard, where we had a lot of flying in the cold altitudes of yeah. England. Just a lot of people and a lot of flying. Met some new people, met some new friends, saw some old friends. Mm-hmm. Saw some old friends that we thought were friends, but we didn't really know them at the time because they were polyjuice potioned into being somebody that they weren't. Meanwhile, the real one was locked in a, a closet. Oh, by the way, we are still under a cough warning. Sorry. The podcast world of Broomsticks and Butterbeer is still under a cough warning for the foreseeable future. As yeah, Jess still I'm going to cough forever, I'm pretty sure. From... Pneumonia. Pneumonia? Pneumonia. That's how it's spelled, and I pronounce everything uh, phonetically. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Hooked on phonics work for me. Raise your hand if you're old enough to remember that commercial. <laughs> Anastasia's like, what are you talking about? No, she'll be like, I remember Dan. Or she'll No, she's heard of it. She's always heard of it. She knows a lot of stuff. Well, if Hooked on Phonics worked for you, follow us on Twitter. Let us know at BroomsticksB or shoot us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. But we are going to, before we talk about Chapter 4 today, let's recap Chapter 3 Okay. from last time. The Advance Guard, Harry, fresh off the Dementor attack, sends letters to Ron, Hermione, and Sirius. Just don't interrupt me with Sorry. your coffee. Sorry, I just thought I'd get it out. Harry wants to know what's going on and come get me. No response for several days. The Dursleys leave, apparently having won an award for the All England Best Kept Suburban Lawn Competition. Woohoo! Exciting. But it was all a ruse oh. to get the Dursleys out of the house so a group of friendly wizards can rescue Harry and take him to a secure location. That's even more exciting. We see Lupin again, the real Mad-Eye Moody. We meet Tonks for the first time. Several pages of flying in the cold night air in order to get to our location. And we finally arrive at our destination, 12 Grimold Place in London. The headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix. Ta-da! So chapter four today, number 12, Grim Old Place. We're here. We're going to learn about the house. That magically appeared. Kind of in a bad neighborhood. Yeah. But actually probably a pretty good place to lie low. Yeah, nobody wants to hang around, poke around too long. You see that a lot in the movies where, like, somebody's on the run and they'll kind of go and, like, hide in, like, the... Like where all the ruffians uh, hang out in town, because there's really like no like police presence there. Yeah. So it's probably like a good place to kind of blend in. And nobody really wants to like stick their nose in your business because you don't. They don't want anybody's nose in their business because they're probably doing something shady. You know, they're not gonna turn you in when they don't want the cops anywhere near the place. Kind of deal. So tell us a little bit about number twelve, grim old place. How does it appear, because from when Harry first gets there, he sees number 11, he sees number 13. How does it appear? How do they make it appear? How do they keep something like this concealed to the muggle world? Uh, magic, babe. Okay. Uh, care to expand <laughs> on that, or should we just go on to the next Yeah, there's like a concealment, point? concealment spell on the house. Nobody who doesn't know that it's there, or... Like he had to read the little slip of paper to know about it, and you could see it. So if you don't know it's what you're looking for, you can't see it. That's kind of high level 
magic. It's not just like a like when they put the concealment spell over the the Quidditch World Cup. It was like kind of like if you were just wandering through the woods there, you probably would have bumped into it. It wasn't. Yeah, it it wasn't, was like a repelling. It made you just not mm-hmm. want to go that way. So this is more high level. This is like on a like a neurological <laughs> brain level. We're talking like some neuroscience here with uh, the magic. Yeah. Or it's just on the house. It's covering the house. You can't see it. You can't see it unless your brain can like comprehend it, man. You got to open your mind. You got to open your third eye. <laughs> Lots of stuff in the house shaped like snakes and serpents. We've got heads of house elves mounting on the wall like trophies. Kind of leads us to believe that this house has some dark wizard history to it. Um, yes. And it's like, it's been left unattended for a while. So it's like, they said it was like infested with things. Mm. So like the darkness of it drew more dark things to it. And yeah, there's just all kinds of nastiness going on in this house. So why this place though? I'm guessing they have some connection to the very end of the chapter. Yeah, um, yeah, as I say, it's kind of spoiler, but it's not, because we do find out at the end of the chapter, it's it's the Black House, it's the Sirius Black, the Sirius Black's family home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So it kind of leads us to believe that, you know, Sirius <laughs> Black, Jess, please don't interrupt me with the coughing. What am I... Spo- <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't mind, we're trying, we trying, take, trying like, to schedule do a cough break. Trying or? to do a pretty uh, highly uh, well-received podcast here. My apologies. A- award-winning. We we won that trivia award. There you go, the... award-winning podcast. There you go. Uh, speaking of trivia, we'll be hosting trivia at C two E two in uh, August of twenty twenty two. If you're listening to this in twenty twenty five, it's already happened. And it was a smash success, and we've gone on in subsequent years to host trivia events at C2E2 uh, ever since then. Popular demand. They, just, they, they brought us back every single year because people demanded it. Uh, August 5th through the 7th, C2E2? Yes, we're on the 5th. August 5th at 1 o'clock in the yard. In the yard. Get your tickets at C2E2.com. However, it kind of makes us think that based on everything we know about Sirius as this good person, maybe his family uh, has a history of maybe a uh, little bit more of a darker side. They are the blacks. Dark. Mm. Black. Ah. Didn't even, didn't even think of that. association <laughs> there. Didn't even think of that. It was right in front of my face. If it was a snake, it would have bit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, another familiar face is here at 12 Grimmauld Place. That's Mrs. Weasley. Oh, Very Mrs. happy Weasley. to see Harry. And Mrs. Weasley guides Harry upstairs, which is where he'll reunite with Ron and Hermione. But Harry cannot follow the rest of the wizards because that area is only for members of the Order of the Phoenix. They're not old enough. So they're being kept out. Harry was kind of feeling like, finally, I'm going to get to know all of the things. I'm here. I'm the hub of what's going on. I'm going to know all the things. But then he's got to go sit at the kids' table. Yeah, go upstairs to your room and be quiet and be good while the grown-ups talk. Uh, Harry reunites with Ron and Hermione. And for Hermione and Ron, there's a sense of relief that Harry is there. They can finally let Harry in on everything they've been wanting to tell him. But it is a very, very different reaction for Harry, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's kind of bitter. Kind of mad. I'm very happy with them. What? Uh, what's the extent of his uh, reaction to seeing Ron and Hermione? Well, he yells at them. He yells at them so loud that other people in the house hear him and come to see. Oh, I loved those comments, Harry. I thought that it was you. I heard yelling. Yeah, don't when- don't keep it all bottled up. Yeah. You gotta let it out every once in a while. <laughs> Speaking of, mm. um, 
but yeah, he kind of goes through all the emotions. First, he's really happy, and he's relieved, and then he's mad, and then then he doesn't want to be mad anymore, but he's still kind of mad, and he just kind of goes all over the place. Harry's got a lot of emotions. What is it, the, um, like the seven steps of, um, like when you're dealing with like a traumatic event, there's like depression, and then there's bargaining, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally acceptance. Yeah. I won't be mad at you guys if you just tell me everything that you know. And then he, they tell him, but it's not much. And and then it's kind of funny. They they kind of look Harry and or Harry, um, Ron and Hermione look at each other and like, yeah, we knew he was gonna do this. Mm-hmm. We knew he was gonna be mad, which I don't think helps any. I think he got even more annoyed at that point. But it still doesn't. Even though they knew that this was probably coming from harry it, it doesn't especially with hermione who has is, is gets very emotional about everything and it's not just emotional just because he's got the emotional range of a teaspoon there you go it's not just that hermione's feelings are hurt because she feels like harry is coming after her it's kind of the the, the whole coming to a head of of hermione feeling like yeah, you're right. You're right. And we didn't, we didn't want to keep all this from you. And it, it hurt, it hurts us that we had to do that. And it hurts us that it, it has done this to you and has made you react like that. It's not, so it's not just Hermione feeling like, oh, you're hurting my feelings by being mean to me. It's Hermione kind of, um, understanding how Harry's feeling well, and leveling with him. She's a little, she can be a little more empathetic with him. She's she, she even says, "If it was me in your position, I would be furious." Like she completely understands because she's thought about it. She's put herself in his position, in his shoes, and how and thought about how it would make her feel. That's not something you know children tend to do all the time, or even people in general sometimes. But she did. She sat there and said. If if it had been me, I would have felt like this and like this, and you. It's, I completely understand why you're feeling that way. You have a right to feel that way. The bubbling over of all of Harry's repressed feelings and emotions here, like we said, all those feelings of isolation and lack of communication have led to Harry's outburst here. And Harry does calm down just a bit at the end. It was... Was that because he realized that his outburst was hurting his friend's feelings, or is he just all tuckered out from his rant? Tuckered out from his rant. I think also, once more people came in the room, it wasn't... It kind of just broke it up. You know, this was between Harry and Ron and Hermione, who he thought didn't do their friendly duty, their their best friend duty by but then other people came in the room and it kinda kinda spread it out and it wasn't something that involved Fred and George or Jenny. We know that Harry is a lot more comfortable saying Voldemort's name out loud than anyone pretty, else. Pretty much any wizard in the wizarding world. But it still seems like everybody else cringes when Harry says it. And it kind of surprised me even with Ron and Hermione because after everything they've been through these last few years, why is the mention of Voldemort still have such an effect on on everyone? Well, you know, Ron and everybody else, thats they grew up with this fear of Voldemort and the name and everything. Hermione's a little different because she didn't grow up with that fear, but I think she's become educated as to why you know she's had all these experiences her friends have had these experiences you know so i think her fear of the of voldemort and the name is growing and maybe just right now because things are so uncertain you never know you know when he's gonna strike i feel like she's become more jumpy I just kind of thought that after everything they've been through and all the challenges they've faced and all the challenges they've overcome over these last few years, that maybe that would make Her- Hermione and Ron specifically, 
that it would take some of the power away from the the name Voldemort because of like we've stood up to pretty much everything he's thrown at us so far and we're still kicking uh, I would think if anyone would be a little less queasy at the mention of the name it would be Ron and Hermione but it seems like they're like Hermione's like you said her reaction to Voldemort is kind of growing it's like kind of getting to the point where every other wizard has been for the last 20 years and you know they might have felt like that like like you said we, we've stood up to everything he's thrown at us all the way up until that point mm. last I guess it's technically last year it's just been a couple of months mm-hmm. for them um, we usually talk about the books in years yeah. last school, school, year. school yeah. terms but um, it really hasn't been that long a couple couple months I think so and then that was just I feel like it just pulled the rug out from underneath them they thought oh this isn't so bad and no no actually it is bad somebody died that we're that we were friends with our, our Harry got really hurt he could have died and now and and they kind of realize oh and now he's back to essentially full power mm-hmm. I know he's still kind of gaining momentum but it's nothing like what it was the past couple of years where they did outsmart him, outwit him, outmaneuver him, however you want to put it. But yeah, So when we talked like... about it in the past, is like that death of Cedric is kind of like that dividing line from these stories kind of being more child-centric to more young adult-centric. That's kind of the, the line of uh, events for Hermione as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hermione and Ron specifically is that you know before it was kind of like a little more silly it was still dangerous but a little more silly like Voldemort was in the back of Quirrell's you know turban you know that's Jess with the coffin if you could I'm sorry not interrupt me I'd appreciate it uh, I believe this is the third or fourth time I've asked you. I've uh, asked you pretty nicely. I'm gonna have to go on a hair. I'm gonna go on a Harry Potter rant here in a Daniel, second. Daniel, you know what happens when you make me laugh? And li- living more. living with me, you're laughing all the time. If you're awake, you're probably laughing. Yeah, that's why I never stop coughing. Because I'm super entertaining and charming and just a uh, just all around witty. Just a, a beacon of uh, of uh, hope and humor to be around and speaking of being a beacon of hope and humor to be around thank goodness fred and george show up because it just seems like the energy in the room gets more positive when they're around do you agree with that oh yes definitely i like like i said i liked how he kind of came in and kind of poked fun of harry for yelling and like harry why don't you say it a little louder i don't think the people in the next uh county heard you like now, now that you're done with uh, with everything that you wanted to say, he's, he's can we laugh again. can we get to our uh, can we get down to you know why we're here and everything? It's just Fred and George in the books specific in the movies too, but in the books specifically, it's more noticeable that when they enter a room, the the I've talked about people in our lives that we know that. When they enter a room, they kind of suck the joy out of it. <laughs> They're like joy vampires, uh-huh. and they suck the joy out of the room, and they use that joy to keep themselves young. <laughs> oh. Just like, you know, a vampire you know, drinks the blood of, of humans so they can yeah. stay immortal. Yeah. Uh, there are joy vampires in this world, and some of them that, that you and I know personally, or have known personally, but... The Weasley twins are specifically are the opposite of that. You know, they go into a room and the room generally picks up more of a positive vibe and positive energy. Yeah, and it's not just... So, like, I feel like people who've only seen the movies, and it's probably not many of our listeners at this point because they've already started reading the books, if they're following along with us, but I feel like people who have only seen the movies are would, would hear that statement and go, yeah, yeah, because they're jokesters. Yeah, yeah, they're funny, funny guys. They come in the room, and it's funny. That's not really even it. Like, yeah, he made a, a joke. He poked fun at Harry. But it also just completely diffused the situation. Right. 
And I don't think... In education, they call it de-escalating. De-escalating. <laughs> um, and I don't think he did that unknowingly. I think he knew exactly what he was going to do. I feel like he came... They came down there specifically to defuse the situation. Like, okay, he's, he's getting a little out of control. Because they, they, I'm sure they've seen both sides. Well, not both sides of it. But they probably understand that Harry's upset. But they also know how upset Ron and Hermione have been. Not being able to communicate. I'm sure they've overheard conversations with Ron and Hermione talking about it and how he's going to be so mad at us and, you know, things like that. So I'm 100% confident that it was intentional to come down and kind of save the baby brother and defuse the situation and be like, I don't want to say like the person of logic and reason because that's not generally the role that they play, but they do just in their own way. Mm-hmm. In their own way is is very well said for Fred and George. Yes, <laughs> they do kind of everything they do is in their own, is way. In their own way. And uh, you mentioned that Jenny is there as well. We said Mrs. Weasley is there. Fred and George. They're not the only Weasleys involved in what's going on. Apparently, Bill Weasley has taken a desk job so that he can be close and work with the Order of the Phoenix. That's nice of him. Uh, n- no longer. Uh, Digging through the uh, the Egyptian uh, tombs and remains of whatever he was doing down in, in Africa there. He had his little adventure a couple of years, and now he's settling down and getting a desk job. Mm-hmm. And uh, just so happens that uh, one Miss Fleur Delacour is... Uh, They're working on her English. Is... Uh, Nearby working on her English, and they're spending a lot of quality time together, so... Just another reason for uh, for Bill to want to be nearby. Uh, Charlie Weasley is involved, but still in Romania. Uh, I'm guessing he participates in the Order of the Phoenix meetings via Zoom. Yes, definitely. He definitely zo- via Zoom. He Zooms I'm, in. That's through the fireplace. Uh, but what the heck is going on with the other Weasley, Percy? Can you give us kind of the Cliff's Notes on Percy the Prefect here? Because Percy is just... The worst. In this, I don't know. I don't know where the Percy story arc is going from here. And I've been wrong about characters. I do. <laughs> I do, Daniel. I've been wrong about characters before in my long-term uh, thoughts and feelings about where, how they are and where they're going to go. But Percy is pretty much the worst. What's going on with Percy? Okay, so he gets... Even though he's horrible at his job, he gets a promotion. Oh, is he in education? Yeah. But don't <laughs> you fail upwards in education, as we know. My God, we don't want you teaching children anymore because you're not really good at it. So we'll find something else for you to do. A little side story: When I first started teaching, the uh, superintendent of the school district that I worked in was not very good at her job to the point where the union was considering doing a no confidence vote in her like they did in star wars episode one <laughs> which led to the, the vote of no confidence <laughs> and chancellor of alarms leadership which led to the rise of the emperor and that's why <laughs> i told i said i will participate in no no confidence vote i've seen star wars i know what happens. i know what happens there has to be another way to deal with this the good news is we didn't have to do that because the very next year she was no longer uh the superintendent who was bad at her job she became the head of education for the state of missouri Woo! the department of elementary and secondary education she became the the number the uh top dog in the entire state of Missouri. So you fail upwards in education and apparently in the wizarding uh, world as well. Yes. So Percy's got a promotion. Percy got a promotion. Um, he had a huge fight with his parents. Very, very nasty. Nasty. Fight with his parents. Um, basically, the consensus was you can't possibly have gotten a promotion because you're so horrible at your job. They only promoted you to spy on us. And retain your loyalty so you will spy on us. And Percy was like, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do because I don't think anybody should go against the ministry and break the rules and I will 
be the patriotic fellow and mm. do my duty to my mm. Ministry of Magic and turn all of you in. It's so disappointing because, you know, Percy cannot, can't see, he's, seen, he's the only Weasley who can't see what's really happening here. He's the only Weasley that is, is blind and refuses to accept that Voldemort is back. And it's almost like Percy has been brainwashed by the ministry and they've used that promotion and to brainwash Percy to the point of where Percy basically says that the minute he t he's taking the ministry over family. He's basically saying that I don't want to be a Weasley anymore then. Mm -hmm. Because if this is what the Weasleys are going to go with, this is what they're going to live their lives by, this is what you're going to do from this point going forward, then it's us against each other. It's kind of like a Weasley civil war here. Yes. And there was a couple of times that was mentioned about Percy's ambition, which made me, you know, feel like, oh, he should have been a little slytherin -y. He's got a little Slytherin in there. And But this is also nothing new. The whole... All of the story, all the books. He's following the rules excessively and enforcing rules excessively has gotten him where he wants to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not really a, it's not really ambition because he's not like doing everything it can, he can. He's just kind of being used as a, a ploy, as a puppet by the ministry here and kind of just happening into this success and using that to kind of get a higher sense of worth of himself than he really should have. Just like when he was a prefect, he, you know, kind of abused that power, really leaned into it. And I don't know if, you know, it goes back to something like, you know, all of the Weasleys kind of have their identity and he didn't have his thing. Mm -hmm. This is what gave him a thing. I hope this doesn't happen to Ron, because that's <laughs> kind of what's shaping up. Ron's looking for an identity, too. Is he going to end up turning on the Weasleys as well? No, his identity <laughs> is Terry Sidekick. Oh, Sorry. he doesn't want that, though. He's looking to the mirror of Erised. And it says, you forever shall be called Sidekick. Sidekick. Percy has, like we said, seemingly turned on friends and family. In favor of the ministry. And we know that the ministry is not on board with acknowledging the return of Voldemort. They are not on board with anything Dumbledore is professing during this time. And Percy has pretty much exiled himself from the family, right? Yeah, he moved out. He's living in London. Mrs. Weasley tried to go talk to him. She slammed, slammed the, door the door in her face. Could you imagine any sort of circumstance? Any any scenario in this world. I'm getting goosebumps. Thank you. Because you're that. already afraid <laughs> where you would slam the door in your mother's face. No. No. Especially when she traveled. To come talk to, to you. To come talk to. With like the yeah. olive branch. Right. She didn't come to pick a fight. No. And it's not like she just walked down the street to see him. She had. Mrs. Weasley had to make or a trip. Yelling up the stairs yeah. at your door. Yeah. We've all been in like arguments with our parents and ran to our room and slammed the door. But when your mom comes to the door to try to heal the family and you pick the ministry over her and slam the door in her face, say, nope, all that, that big long trip you took, go on back. I don't want anything to do with you. You're not, you don't even get a word. Just goosebumps just thinking not about it. Not even going to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Goosebumps just thinking about it. By the way, my skin's back to normal now. I had goosebumps there for a second there. Um, back to normal. Well, it is like 100 degrees, so. Because, because I know I would never do that to my mom, the real life, uh, flesh and bone Mrs. Weasley. And that was one of the things at the very beginning when you said Mrs. Weasley showed up. That was one of the first things Harry noticed. She's lost weight. Like this, mm. the stress of this. But of course, the first thing she noticed is that Harry needed to eat. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like. Because that's who Mrs. Weasley is. Mm -hmm. that she, she's my mother. She's Paula Rhino. It's everybody else. Everybody else gets taken care of first, and if there's time, I'll take care of myself. But probably not. But probably probably not. cook or clean or do something else, fix something. 
So not only that, but we know that the ministry has a lot of pull with the daily prophet. And we know that when they want to, the ministry can pretty much utilize the daily prophet as like their own propaganda tool to spread their message. And it seems like the ministry is doing just that by disparaging Harry at every turn, aren't they? Yeah, apparently, uh, you know, Harry was getting the... Daily Prophet. Daily Prophet. You ever read Harry Potter, I wanted to call it something else that wasn't even related. Daily Planet. Yeah, the Daily Planet just popped into my head. I guess because we were in Metropolis, but... um, with the latest Lois Lane editorial. I was like, this isn't right. Those words that are on the tip of my tongue are not right. What are the right words? Uh, so Harry was getting the paper. He was only reading the front page for any big bomb news mm. that was happening. Didn't read anything else. And Hermione was like, uh, you really should have because you've become the running joke. Anytime something weird happens or something... Um, Somebody does something dumb, I mm. guess. They say, ooh, well, it's like Harry Potter was there. Seems like something Harry Potter would say. They're kind of portraying him as the, the bumbling fool. And then as, as an extension of that, well, then you can't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. And it, it's so crazy that, you know, we have freedom of the press here in the United States. And we know that certain people have access to certain people. Certain powerful people have access to people in the media. And they can, to some extent, skew the, the story to benefit them. But that's why we have competing news sources yeah. and competing you know, newspapers and competing cable stations and, and competing outlets and competing podcasts to say, no... That's not the one and only, you know, source here. But the Daily Prophet is the source. It's like if the Washington, you know, Post or the Wall Street Journal was the only newspaper in America. And that's where everybody got their news. You wouldn't have editorials and things from other newspapers and news outlets to where you can draw your own uh, conclusion about what's going on. That's become a big thing right now for us in our time in our world is that you can read two articles on the same event mm-hmm. or incident and they can be completely different. Mm-hmm. You can read three articles and one could be so far to one side bias and the other one would be so far to the other side bias and one is kind of in the middle. and Or just completely, then you've got the ones that are just like completely wrong. Mm-hmm that didn't bother to get their information from the right sources at all. And it's just so much out there to try and sort through mm-hmm. yourself. But the fact that you have the option of sorting through and you have the option of avoiding certain uh, writers and certain uh, figureheads on, on cable television or whatever, you have the option. You have options. And if you do, if you believe strongly one way, you can watch one channel. If you believe strongly one way, you can watch another channel. If you want something, there's even uh, stations now that are. I saw one the other day. I forget what it's called, but they're they're marketing themselves as the middle road. Like we don't take sides. We just tell we you. We just give you the facts. We just give you the facts, and you draw know. your own conclusions. And that's it's that is a as a tool now to market your station or market your outlet because of how many choices there are too, out there. And we're getting too far yeah. away. Like it's only adding to the divide yeah. because people are choosing to listen to one group that's just really skewing it really far. The edges of both sides of political views and as an extension of that political media have become so loud that the people in the middle, which is, I think, the majority, because the people, the people on the far, I'm talking the far extreme, 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 on both sides, not taking political sides here. Most people that have listened to this probably already know how I feel politically, and this is not the outlet for that. But those pe- those people are so loud that they drown out the majority. And I think they make us feel like 
like we are the minority. You know, you kind of start to feel like, am I the only one who feels this way? Because it's, like you said, it's so loud. But that's that's what that's the what Daily they're... Prophet's doing here. When you're the only outlet for news, you are the loudest voice. And it's almost like if you are reading the Daily Prophet and you don't agree with what the Daily uh, Prophet says, you're like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Am I, you know, am I the minority here? Am I the person who's, who's think, I guess I better get on board. Think about how far they've had to swing people. People worshipped Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. They worshipped him. And they're using that against him now in the Daily Prophet. I think there was even a line about how. How he wants people to continue worshipping him. He still wants that hero status. Yeah, he said, I never wanted it. I wanted my parents to be alive. I never asked for this. I got famous because my parents got killed. He'd do anything to stay famous. He's going to do anything. So if you believe, we know, we found out now, like, at the beginning of the story, that I thought the Daily Prophet was kind of a cool tool for the wizarding world, that they could get their news without the muggles being aware of what was going on. And now... The Daily Prophet is essentially just a puppet tool used by the ministry, and I don't know if you can really believe anything that's that's in it right now. It's just like like propaganda, like what goes on in you know in other countries where the, the news is one hundred percent you know like especially communist countries where the the news is one hundred percent controlled by uh, the state. You can't believe any of that. I mean, it's it's even made jokes of, like in in TV shows and movies. The you know the fact that they talk about, oh, our supreme leader got eighteen holes in one today, another perfect round of golf for the, you know, it's just the the fact that it seems like the Daily Prophet is this is the beginning stages of it becoming that um, going forward is is pretty frustrating. I don't know that it's, you know, it hasn't always been this way. Mm. So again, it will depend on who's leading. But but there wasn't always agenda. such big things happening in the wizarding world. So before it was maybe kind of harmless, mm. but now it's dangerous. And the fact that the ministry is using the Daily Prophet in this way could cost people lives has already People have already lost their lives and haven't hasn't even been mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a Dementor attack in a, you know, on a Muggle street. And it wasn't even mentioned in the Daily Prophet. So, uh, like I said, uh, it, it's uh, a very frustrating time to be a, a wizard who really knows what's going on right now. Uh, another big revelation in this chapter is the fact that Professor Snape is apparently working with the Order of the Phoenix and spying on the Death Eaters. Yes, I mean, this has, you know, kind of been his role for a while, mm-hmm. but he's just reprising it, and that's what the big meeting is when Harry shows up. Molly kind of alludes, she's like, he's, he's here. here, and we're all in a meeting, we all have to hear what he says. He's like their lifeline to what's actually going on. And I'm sure there's going to be lots of theories back and forth. There was even kind of alluded to a little bit with, by the kids talking in the, in the room upstairs about what side Snape is really working with going forward. I love how they, I don't remember who, called him a git. A git. And Hermione said, he's on our side now. And they said, doesn't mean he's not a git. Mm. <laughs> that was just like. It's true. I forget which Beatles song it was, but that was the first time I ever heard the word "git." Um, and um, I had to ask my dad, "I said, what's a what's a git?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's you know just kind of like a jerk, jerk, yeah, butthead, yeah. I think butthead's a good word. I I tried tried to keep it PG. I could have gone. <laughs> PG thirteen there, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say butthead. butthead. A git is like a butthead is a good word for it. So you know which side is Snape really on? You know we don't really know. We think no. he's on our side, and is he a double agent because the 
Death Eaters think that I'm sure Voldemort's aware that Snape is talking to Dumbledore's side and Dumbledore is quite aware that Snape is working with the Death Eaters to get information and is he an agent? Is he a double agent? Is he a triple agent? We don't know. Who knows? But he is a gay. <laughs> That's did. all we know well, for sure. One thing we know for sure is that he is a git. Uh, at the end of the chapter, we're on the way to dinner, and there's been several times in the chapter where Harry was told to keep his voice down in the hallway. And there's a loud, cra- a loud crash, and Tonks has knocked over an umbrella stand. And what happens next? It wakes up the portraits. Specifically, the portrait Harry noticed was covered. Well, several of the portraits were covered, but of Sirius Black's mother. And she starts yelling and screaming about muggles and mudbloods and just... Like you've sullied this house and... Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say they are avid supporters of the Dark Lord. Mm -hmm. And now their son is renting out their house, using their house for the other side mm-hmm. not to mention the fact that there's uh mudbloods in the house like yes, you said mudbloods in the house muggle lovers in the house muggle lovers in the house yes. hit that dj air horn for me <laughs> well serious black is here you mentioned that was his mother in the portrait serious burst in tells the woman in the portrait to shut, shut up, up. A lot of mother disrespect in this chapter, but this one's okay. And forces the drapes close. Like you said, this is Sirius's mother. Um, I'm guessing mom wasn't a very nice person. I don't think so. Uh, Sirius even says that we've tried to take the the painting down, but apparently it's crucial to the structural <laughs> integrity of the That's house. That's from the office. <laughs> That's not from this. In the office, they have that clown painting that they can't take down because it's somehow like yeah. liquid nails to the walls. Sorry, I tried. So I was just thinking, man, can't they just like flip the portrait around or something? But I think Pam could just paint over it. I don't know. But the I, I was thinking more of oh, S- Sirius' one? Black's oh, mother. Sorry. But they can't, even, they can't even get it off the wall. No. So they've tried. Well, she's permanent. Uh, but uh, Mom sounds... A lot, sounds like she's saying a lot of things that the Malfoys say. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Black family and the Malfoy family were besties. Oh, yeah. They definitely would go vacationing in the Hamptons together, I think. They're they're from the same, I don't even want to say era, but... Yeah, cut from the same cloth, I think, definitely. Uh, and that's that's it for Chapter 4. Number 12, Grimmauld Place. Uh, anything uh, stand out about the uh, chapter in comparison to the, the film? I don't really remember. Do we get to see a lot of... Uh... Oh, yeah. No, it's mostly all there. Mm-hmm. Um, the tripping over the thing, the screaming mother, the extendable ears, which we didn't mm-hmm. even talk about. The Weasley brothers, the twins, are still um, inventing things. Now, is these extendable ears? It kind of like in my mind, I'm picturing like a, those sour patch straws, but like, <laughs> but like really long, <laughs> or like a like a licorice rope. Is that kind of what the extendable ears were? Oh, well, I was thinking more about that. It's like the little sticky hand mm. on the yeah on the yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. I know the people can't see you things. right now. You're gesturing. I am gesturing, You're gesturing a at lot. me in a, in a swinging, slapping motion. Showing me the hand yes. and the, the, the. It's not a string. It's it's more of the gooey rubber stuff. I I, I have a lot in my prize box at school. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I'm picturing one of those. Only it's an ear, and I like it. But I also kind of picture like the old-fashioned telephone cord, mm-hmm. and they lower it down. It's kind of springy, mm-hmm. and it's got an ear on the other side. And I don't think they got the whole hand piece where they're listening, but no. maybe it's just like the... The two cups with the string on? Yeah. yeah. I tried... I made those when I was little. It's like, this doesn't work! <laughs> and I had no idea why it wouldn't work. I have two cups. I have a, a string. string. Why not? Naturally, the sound would travel via the string. 
Did you not have it stretched? Would that make a difference? Yeah, you have to stretch it tight so that it carries the vibrations. I don't think that's how strings work. We'll have an intern look it up. I, I did it with my grandpa, and it was... Did it? Yeah, we did it in the backyard. Huh. kind of want to try it right now. <laughs> you got it? The string has to be tight. Okay. Be taught. Taught. Has to be taught. I'm going to teach you that it has to be taught. Uh, anything else you want to add, or you want to go to an email? Email two times in a row. Uh, we're, I told you this is a very uh, popular, very um, mainstream. well, very mainstream, very well received by uh, the masses mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of these things are true. You can send us your emails broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail dot com, like Jamie did. <coughs> Hi, Jamie. Sorry, and, I coughed. In Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Jamie writes, hi guys, love the show. For Father's Day, I bought my dad a tool set that came with a lifetime guarantee. It made me wonder how the company would be able to stay in business if people only had to buy tools once from them in their lifetime. This made me think of Ollivander. How does Ollivander make a living? You only buy one wand in your lifetime, and there's not that many new Hogwarts students every year. Thanks for listening to my crazy idea. Jamie, I was a little worried there. <laughs> I was like, where are we going Jamie's with just talking, this? Jamie's just talking about what he did on Father's Day. I like it. I like it. All right. You don't want to hear you don't want to hear about Jamie's Father's Day? I no, I Jamie loves fine. his father. You don't want to hear about that? You don't care? It's fine. I care. We took the roundabout way to get there. Um <laughs> Um So I think that when we do go and visit Ollivander in the very beginning with Harry, that his shop is looking a little sad. And there's been a lot of talk about how Hogwarts was clearly built to have much larger student capacity. And there's talk about how, you know, so many people died when um, Voldemort during Voldemort's reign, and then those people were also just not having kids, and this kind of like Harry's generation is kind of like the first the kind bigger of generation. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that kind of is reflected. Kind of like in Star Wars, like when all the Jedi were killed off and it took a while to, to rebuild yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I think Ollivander's main business is just selling to first time wand owners, but we do see a drastic decline in the, young population right now so i think that kind of shows in his shop it looks like i said it looks a little sad he's got wands everywhere it looks a little overstocked mm-hmm. to me um but there are needs for new wands ron broke his and um neville breaks his later on and people they break it happens so they do have to get new wands eventually does he offer any other kind of services like that would keep you coming back like I know, like if you buy like a like a musical instrument from somewhere, it's not like just like a one time thing. You have to go back and you know get it, get new strings or get new reeds or get you know things polished or cleaned or maybe should maybe he should offer like some like you know wand wax wand waxing or something like that. Or we know there's that for like the brooms, but I don't. Or maybe accessories like little charms you could put like on your little wand. holsters because yeah. clearly you're not supposed to put them in your holsters. back pocket. I mean, think of all the people who put them in their back pockets and then fall down, or put them in their boot mm-hmm. and then crash down on a bench while they're waiting for their friend and they break. And there can even be like different holsters, like if you're going like out of town, like uh, like you've seen like those uh, uh, those like chest holsters for like your valuables like if you go to europe or something like that <laughs> so you can't get pickpocketed and be stranded without your uh, yeah. without your passport you know maybe like a chest holster or something like that uh holsters that's like a like, he needs to get he, he need, yeah he needs to accessorize <sighs> a little bit like get like little things like well there's pe- other people that like have them in like their cane the tip of the cane mm, and there's all kinds yes, of things yes 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 it's all kinds of things. and if that fails maybe just get like a side hustle like out of the uh the shop that he has you maybe like sell like soft pretzels or something like that well i think he probably has like some kind of sponsorship too I and mean, like all the school like some kind of deal with the schools like when I was in cheerleading, we had a deal with a certain sporting goods store, and we went and got all our 
choose so you, so you and like hear the, from there. You don't like the soft pretzel idea. Uh, I bet Anastasia likes the soft pretzel idea. Yeah, but Alexander's is so dusty. Like I wouldn't want to. Well, I clean, wouldn't want to buy food from someplace like that. Clean it up a little bit. Uh, sometimes when businesses are struggling, they will like rent out part of their store to like another business. So maybe like a you know uh, another business could uh, rent out part of the the store there and Ollivander. Can... I I feel like he's been there so long that he owns that shop and so there's no like not a lot of overhead because he doesn't have to pay rent. Yeah, but he's also not making it making much money. He does. <laughs> is he selling the how much is he selling these wands for? I don't know. It can't be that much if you know some not every wizard that goes to Hogwarts is rich. That's true, but there's also some that have like hand-me-down ones because they don't want to go and get a new one mm. or there are other reasons, family heirloom type hand-me-down wands. The wand chooses the wizard unless you can't afford one. Then, you know, so at the very beginning of this, when you asked the question, I started pondering. I also wondered, an idea popped in my head. You were pondering, were yes, you? Pondering. Interesting. <laughs> See? Coughing making me laugh. Sorry. Um, so I just kind of wonder if, you know, the whole wand chooses the wizard thing. What if something happens in a wizard's life that, like, drastically alters their personality? Some sort of trauma or whatever. What if them and their wand just aren't a good fit anymore? Like, it's not you, it's me. It's <laughs> <laughs> you, it's me. Like, would there be a need to go and get rechosen? I uh, want. I bet Ollivander could uh, market it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, has something strange happened in your life? Something Are drastic? Are you and your wand just not seeing eye to eye yeah. anymore? Yeah. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's the wand. Yeah. I just wonder. Because there's a lot of... And, I mean, the wand lore in Harry Potter gets very complicated. And how wands, you know, the whole... If you win the wand from somebody that you're dueling or fighting with then that wand changes allegiance mm-hmm. and it goes to the stronger wizard and it just gets very complicated and those wizards are gonna have to go get a new wand so uh olivander if you're listening to this lots of uh, ways to kind of generate yeah. some some income there. contact us we, we'll yeah. get you some ideas yeah broomsticks Maybe I'll, I'll be, at gmail. i can represent com. you on uh social media and we'll get your profile going mm-hmm. and and Anastasia and I will help with the soft pretzels. Get no, those fired no, up. this is a little, bad idea. little cinnamon sugar. Oh, wait. I, I do like the cinnamon <laughs> sugar. Cinnamon, what if we had, you know, some, uh, some frosting to dip frosting it in? Frosting to dip it in? I uh, like Jess that. Jess is on board now. I'm getting on board. And we hope that you guys are on board with everything that we're doing here. We appreciate everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. We will be back next time with Chapter 5 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Until then... Be a witch, be a wizard, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. We'll see you later. Or a git. <laughs> or a git. <laughs> see ya. Bye. I got the magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold.